0: What's going on guys? Welcome to another episode of the Clean Libertarian Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I have a really great interview lined out for you guys. This is the wonderful Martha Bueno. Um, you guys probably seen her, especially if you're on Twitter or Liberty Twitter at all. Like this woman is constantly doing something. Uh, she's running for office in Miami-Dade County for for commissioner. Uh, she's done work and continues to do work in the Latino community through LPTV. This woman has done so much to help so many other people. Like I was really excited to have her on, and not only is she able to kind of like highlight some of the stuff that she's she's had going on, but she provides some really solid information uh, about the perils involved in immigration and drug policy, and it, this is just a great conversation that I found to be illuminating, and uh, I definitely walked away with more information than I had going into it, which is always a great thing. Uh, so anyways, I hope you guys enjoy this, and I will introduce Martha. All right. Thanks a lot for joining me. And I am here with Martha Bueno. Martha, thank you so much for uh, joining me and also for coming on reaching out to me to let me know that like you are getting involved and in, in doing the things that you're doing. Um, how are you doing this evening?
1: I am great. Thanks so much again for having me on. I appreciate okay. it.
0: Anytime. time. Uh, now, I know, Martha, a lot of people know who you are. I, I I would imagine that a lot of my audience already knows who you are. But for those that don't, um, currently you're running for County Commissioner uh, District 10 out of Miami-Dade. Um, you're also on LPTV. TV and you do, you do a lot <laughs> With, of stuff. Uh,
1: the Latin Libertarians on uh, Wednesday nights uh, at, on uh, the LPTV, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m., Uh, Pacific. Right on. So what do y'all cover on there, by the way? So we do um, two shows, actually one on people for Liberty, which is Libertario Hispano, which is happens on Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Same time, same time slot. Um, And we do our focus is on um, issues Mm -hmm. of the Hispanic community. So back when uh, Dr. Jorgensen was running for office, uh, my friend Zach and I, Zach Foster out of California, we we realized that there's there really was a need for his for Hispanic content of you know the libertarian mm-hmm. variety. There's nothing. There's nothing out there. The Libertarian Party wasn't doing the job of reaching out to this community, and there's a huge need. So we we figured out we started off in Spanish and we realized that the Libertarian Party, there's not a whole lot of people that speak Spanish. So we had to, you know, kind of double our efforts and do in English because a lot of people who are Hispanics who care about the content and who aren't Hispanics but still care about the content, um, needed it in English to be able to understand. So we're doing both. The Latin, uh, the Hispanic version, um, we especially reach a lot of people outside of the United States, which is amazing. We've connected with pretty much every country in Latin America at this point, um, including Brazil that doesn't even speak Spanish. We've, we've had um, the, cha- the the chair of the National Party of Brazil on our show. Um, so it was just, you know, natural progression of, of what we do. We, we want to make sure that the libertarians out there and people that don't know what libertarians are hear about us. Um, the there's over 30 million registered voters that are Hispanic in this country. And every four years, the Republicans and the Democrats just kind of show up and like, Hey, you're Hispanic. You should vote for us. But there's no engagement there. They don't know what their issues are. They don't care. It's just a vote. And um, it's always been my contention that Hispanics and people who just immigrated to this country are very libertarian. They know what they left behind. They had to leave their country to come here to find the opportunities that we sometimes take for granted or the opportunities that we just don't realize that we have. And so these people are very libertarian and they're not hearing from us. And we wanted to make sure that we change that
0: that's a noble effort right there and you have the unique you know capacity to be able to not only reach you know like the the english-speaking part of that community but also you know do the um you know the spanish-speaking portion which how has your how has that since you did double your efforts like what kind of response have you been getting from that has it been positive or
1: absolutely and every single week we notice that our audience grows a little bit more people find out about us i mean it's just at the beginning was very slow going, <laughs> you know. We're like, yeah. why are we doing this? What is there a point to it? And as the time has gone on, and then you know, other groups have reached out to us. Um, Zach is also involved with with the Citizens' Embassy of Venezuela. I'm, uh, you know, we both have been doubling our efforts on every front, pretty much. I've now been contacted by um, Lola, which is uh, the organization for women, you know, involved in libertarian. Um, you know, libertarian issues. So we are growing um, our efforts. We're seeing a lot of people join and want to be a part of it and want to reach out to their own communities. Um, the reason I brought up Lola, they have a whole bunch of chapters in Latin America. so we're connecting now with them. I mean, it's just growing. and i'm I'm definitely surprised, I'm amazed, and I'm thrilled because, again, I really believe that this is a huge area that we can grow. Just look at our numbers this year. Dr. Jorgensen, reached, you know, she got just over a million votes. We have 30 million votes up for grabs. We can do it. We can make real significant changes, real growth within the party by actually reaching people who, you know, again, I think they are libertarian. I think that they have libertarian leaning values and they're just kind of conditioned into one party or the other, depending on, you know, who's saying the right things at the right time. But those parties don't care. neither of them have fixed the immigration issue on the contrary it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and so at some point you know somebody's got to be like huh maybe neither of these two parties care
0: right yeah absolutely and you know you 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 really hit the nail on the head when you talk about they show up every four years and that's you know and, and that's true across any demographic but i feel like especially uh, in 2018, we saw, you know, there's all the right wing hoopla about the caravans and this and that. And then, you know, the left wing, the the Democrats were like, oh, no, we're going to make immigration, you know, segue just super easy and transparent uh, kids in cages. The, the list goes on and on. So the Hispanic community has been one that has been particularly propped up for political gain. Uh, and it's been disgusting, you know, to, to see that.
1: Yeah, um, and and the worst part about it is we created those problems in Latin America. We the United States not you and I obviously. But right. you know the war on drugs is single-handedly one of the worst issues for Latin America especially. So not only does it keep these countries in poverty um you know and keeps the war the the war going on within their own uh, borders because they can't grow you know any any crops that actually pay good money. You know mm-hmm. why grow some simple fruit or whatever when you could be growing marijuana you could be growing coca leaves i mean people are going to consume it why not give these people the opportunity to grow it? but then on top of that it creates the cartels and the gangs and the violence and then on top of that even worse all of those drugs are funneled through venezuela and cuba especially cuba through the the inter- their waters um all the drugs kind of go through there to miami um to get distributed into the united states so We are funding the regimes, specifically the Castro regime in Cuba, that has now extended its arms into the rest of Latin America. It is from Cuba that we now have, you know, socialism in Venezuela. Um, Chavez, when he was still alive, went to study under Castro to learn, you know, these methods and whatnot. We have we see it now picking up in Peru, we see it happening in um, even Argentina and Chile, they're turning more socialists. And, and these are the, the tactics and it's spreading like wildfire in Latin America. And the easiest, easiest way to end that is just to end the war of, on drugs in the United States. But we don't. And then we have all these people coming through, you know, looking for this, a way out of that system, a way to improve themselves. And then what do we do? We throw them into a jail into a jail cell, into a cage. We separate them from their children. And then to get released, there's an actual fine that you have to pay. So I was not aware of this until actually pretty recently. And I think I'm really informed. So you can imagine that a lot of people don't know that in order to get out of the ICE detention facility, you have to pay. So imagine. Yes, yes. And sometimes it's well over $10,000.
0: What the hell? This I have never ever heard about this?
1: I had not heard about it until really recently. And so today of all days, um, I did uh, the People for Liberty, uh, Liberty on the Border event that they were doing. Dr. Jorgensen was a part of it. And um, I had heard about this issue before through Zach. There was this particular case of this kid who had come over from Venezuela. So he handles mostly Venezuelan cases. He doesn't deal with any other country. Um, And he, this young 20 year old kid had gotten taken into an ICE detention center and he had coming through uh, the Mexico border had, um, I guess, messed up his foot in some way and he needed surgery. So he had had the surgery and they were treating him very poorly. And um, a group of people that Zach works with had gotten him on a local Hispanic news station and made waves. And so ICE was like, no, no, we don't want Mm. you here anymore and released him. His family had to sell things in order to. His mom has been in the country for three years. So she sold her car. She sold whatever she could to come up with the $10,000. They released him on just like they opened the doors and, like, here you are. No crutches, no nothing, just the clothes on his back. He had nowhere to go, no food, mobility issues, obviously. So the group that Zach is involved with was able to get him, you know, a few nights stay in a hotel, were able to get him clothes delivered to his hotel room because. I mean, he couldn't even move, got him some crutches that he could use. We got him a plane ticket to go be with his mom in California. They had let him go in in Louisiana. I mean, the kid had nothing, you know, and he has a legitimate claim um, to to be here for asylum. He was persecuted in in Venezuela. He has a legitimate claim. There's no reason why he should have come up with $10,000, money that his family absolutely needs to be able to, you know, live, um, maybe even be able to get him you know, started in this country. Um, and no, this is an issue that I, I wasn't aware of, $10,000 bond to get out of a detention facility. So if you don't have that money and you don't have friends, you don't have family, you don't have somebody advocating for you, you're gonna stay in this camp, in these camps. And the conditions are absolutely horrible. I mean, I, I'm sure most people are aware. it's It's deplorable what we're doing to these people. And so we create the problems, we make it so that they can't, you know, we just create all these issues that we shouldn't have. Right. We really, this is just inhumane. And, and I get it. There's a whole big issue on whether we should have open borders or closed borders. But forget about the politics for a minute. These are human beings. Yeah. These are human beings that are trying to escape some conditions that we can't even imagine in this country. And right. I'm just, you know, I hate to bum out the whole, you know, let's no, 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 no. <laughs> I
0: mean, that, that's why I wanted to bring you on is because you have a very unique perspective um, on this particular instance. You know, I've had a guy on that talked about, um, you know, he's kind of a cartel know-it-all like guy, you know, and it was kind of a little crash course into the, who the players were mm-hmm. and all of that. And, you know, he, he's got a blog site and I follow it. And just seeing the type of environment that is present south of the border and in these communities where drugs are being funneled through, it's abysmal. Um, you're talking about a 10-year-old kids soccer game being interrupted by you know gang violence gunfire you know broad daylight Uh, you got cops extorting citizens i mean legitimate highway robbery you know like you cannot pass this highway unless you pay us right now or you're dead um it's just these communities are are decimated and when people don't want to live that way anymore they want a better life for their family they try to get into the states i mean it's a I, I, I will get political with it. I mean, it's insane the hoops that we make people jump through in order to attain citizenship here. And so you literally are running out of a bad scenario. You don't have time to wait and go the legal route. So, yeah, they come across and they're just wanting to work. They want a better life. And what do we do? We lock them up and charge them to get out. That's insane.
1: I know uh, that part. I mean, again, I considered myself informed. And when I heard that, I was like, wait, is that everyone? it's like, yeah, pretty much everybody has to pay a fine to get out of this jail that they put them in. So, you know, a lot of people have friends and family and they can come up with the money, but most people don't. I mean, I don't know about you, but it would be a little difficult for me to be like, Hey guys, I need $10,000 and people hand it over, you know,
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know? No, no, that's a lot of cash right there. That
1: is a lot of cash for anyone. I mean, yeah. how many Americans can just come up with $10,000, you know, and that's, on top of what a lot of these people pay to be smuggled out of their country, smuggled through the border into the United States. So, I mean, I'm not obviously advocating for people to do this and to be smuggled in. And I'm not, you know, and again, I don't, I don't really even want to discuss the issue of whether people should be allowed into this country. Whether because I, to me, it's, you know, we're all immigrants here pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're a native american we all immigrated here some people just don't remember because it's that far back and you know your family immigrated but we're all this is a nation that was built on immigration and what we're doing to the current immigrants is is pretty disgusting and i'm appalled by it and i i hope that we can make some some headway in this in this arena and like i said i think the libertarian party has you know the best solutions for these problems But in the meantime, we just really need a lot of like people to just care and pay attention and help us figure out, you know, we need manpower. We need people to go to the border and help and provide people with clothing, shoes, Mm -hmm. you know, basic necessities, toothbrushes. We just need people on the ground because at the end of the day, you know, what is what does it matter if you're right, if you have the, the right policies and the right stuff, if you're just. You know, you don't care. You're not you are not doing these things. We all, you know, we love Twitter and we love being on Twitter and we love being, uh, you know, um, <laughs> my policies are better than your policies, but I yep. day, that doesn't fix anything. And no, that's not putting hearts and minds and going to the border and helping people. Again, regardless of how you feel about the border, there are human beings that are in these horrible conditions in our country and we're paying for it, which is the worst part. Because it's not like they have to pay those $10,000 to support themselves in jail. We pay for it. To the tune of hundreds of dollars a night you know why can't we just take that money and you know if we're gonna spend a few hundred dollars a night shucks couldn't we like maybe get a motel something you know for sixty dollars a night and then let people like we don't have to treat people the way we are we don't we could do things better but here we are
0: here's the thing like i work in construction so i i i mean it's just The way it is, man, I I work with uh, alongside a lot of these people who may or may not be here, you know, on a legal status. I've gotten to know these these folks, a lot of them really well. I mean, to the point that we like hang out after work, go fishing, do whatever. Um, These aren't people out to get anything for free. These are people like that are working their ass off and doing stuff that I'd never do. I mean, I legitimately, I'm a chubby dude. You know, I'm not jumping out there and pulling that concrete across a big parkland like they do. I mean, they get busy. Um,
1: and they're good I, at it.
0: they are good at <laughs> they're it. They're
1: willing to work, you know, and they're willing to work not just construction jobs. They're willing to pick the fruits and, and, and vegetables in our fields. They're willing to do the things that most Americans aren't willing to do. And I hear right. that that as an argument all the time. Well, they're taking our jobs listen, you know, somebody who doesn't speak your language and has maybe a sixth grade education can take your job. I don't think legitimately, that is your concern.
0: That is awesome. I mean, that's a solid point, you know, Um, uh, of these individuals that I talk to, too, like, I'll ask them, like, you know, what was home like, and they tell me, you know, like how they're, they had to leave behind, you know, young children and the elderly, like they can't make that type of journey. And so like a lot of what they do, a lot of their pay goes back home. It goes back to Mexico, um, you know, circling the back. The industry
1: over. for El Salvador is remittances from the United States. There's a lot of countries, Cuba, too. We send a lot of money to immigrants come to this country, work and send money back home. That is also another problem. We created a wall and we created a system where people can't come here, collect $10,000, 20000 maybe. And th- with that, they can live a fantastic life in their own country and create a business in their own country. We force them to come across the border, sometimes bringing their whole family and then staying here.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: we could talk about all sorts of things that would fix the situation. Most people don't want to leave their home country. Most people like, I mean, t- think about it. What would it take for you to just pack up everything and move, you know, to another country? Most people don't want to do that. They're not moving no. here because they you know they they hate their country and they want to leave they're coming here because they need opportunities so right. we we need to figure something out we need to just stop with the policies that we aren't working you know and just one or the other either we stop screwing up their countries so that they can rebuild or we let them come and work and take money back home and and fix their own you know their own situation we can't just continuously um you know, just keep, keep, keep keeping them down. That's basically what we're doing. We're just keeping them down. And, and I don't know, the policies are just horrendous. I, yeah. I oh, yeah. you know, uh. <laughs>
0: but, you know, just to circle it back around to to the war on drugs, because that's the whole premise of this podcast. Everything that I do is to to highlight recovery and to also seek an end into the war on drugs. Um, but in, in, in talking about that, you know, Mexican, the, the government in Latin America, uh, governments do what what it does best. It goes after, and it caters to the biggest players. And the fact of the matter is the biggest players in that part of the world are these drug cartels. It is impossible to separate, you know, an honest politician from a dirty one. I mean, that's just like, there's so many, I, I, like I told you, I had the guy on that I interviewed, you know, and I still follow him. And it's like every single week, it's a different, you know, official government person who's getting busted or an ex one that's like new dirt's coming out on them. And it's like, there had, there is so rarely a clean politician, you know, so rarely that when they do come along, they get killed pretty quickly, you know? Um,
1: Which is scary because I'm running for office and I feel that. And I've <laughs> actually been told to watch my back. So Um, you know, ever since I declared also running for office, I've had people coming out, out of the woodwork on all sorts of things. I've had people show up at my farm, uh, writing me citations. I've been asked for records requests that I had never gotten before. So it's just, you know, it, it, it sucks, but somebody has got to do it. But I agree with you. There's very few politicians that actually care and, and are clean. Most people go into politics to make money.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And especially around that, you know, there's there's one way to get guaranteed handouts and that is, you know, go along with what they want, do with this and that. And it's just crazy. Um, bringing it um, back to you. Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say on the corruption scandal, um, I received and I posted something on Twitter today about U.S. aid confirming that they have no idea where all the money the United States sends to Venezuela is actually going. So uh, this past week, we've or, or two weeks now, we've been doing an effort uh, with the with the uh, Citizens' Embassy of Venezuela, calling our elected officials because they had a decision to make whether to send more money to Venezuela this week, um, and we're urging them not to. And actually, Venezuelans are urging them not to because the United States is single handedly funding the regime in Venezuela, by the money that isn't going through drugs is going uh, through you know us as in foreign aid. So. Before that, there was a there was um, a story about how less than 2% of the money sent from the United States makes it to actual Venezuelan hands. Um, it's either going to the Maduro regime, or in this case, the Juan Guaidó uh, interim presidency, who's a false opposition. So they're all just enriching themselves. So we had this in- endeavor um, to reach out to your politicians and let them know, we don't want any more money going to Venezuela. And then today, the USAID puts out there that, yeah, in fact, we don't know where that money's going the crazy part is that our elected representatives are also sit on boards like Marco Rubio who's one that makes these decisions he's also on an intelligence board so you're going to tell me he has no idea what's going on in venezuela yeah. i don't buy i don't buy that i really believe But there are people in our government and I don't know who, but there are people that really want to keep funding this communist regime. And that is why we're sending money there. And they're taking that money out of your pocket, out of my pocket, out of everybody's pocket. They're telling us we need to help countries. You know, we need to help them with our money. And then they're sending it to just fund. I mean, Juan Guaido was a a poor man. The day after he was installed in office, his dad got out of Venezuela. Now he's like skiing in the in the Alps, and you know, enjoying all these great vacations. Um, uh, You know, Chavez's uh, number, Maduro's number two guy, Diosdado Cabello, he has an account here in the United States that's currently frozen with six hundred million dollars. We're talking about people that were poor when they started. So, I mean, they absolutely know that this money isn't reaching Venezuela, and yet they continue to give it. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but that just infuriates me. I am pissed. (laughs) I want everybody that hears this to please go to the Citizens Embassy of Venezuela, um, citizensembassy.org, I believe, and um, look at what, you know, the steps that that are on there. It's under the news article, and it's, um, you know, just call these politicians. Let them know that you don't want your tax dollars going there because they're going to keep sending it and... (laughs) <laughs> you know, at least if we can stop one country, if we can stop funding communism, socialism in one country. You know, it, the situation in Venezuela is dire, and the, even the Venezuelans are like, "Please don't send any more money, because they're just using it to oppress us."
0: Right? They what? What's that term that the uh, foreign aid is always stealing from the ri- from the poor in a rich country and giving it to the rich in a poor country? Absolutely. You know, and that's exactly what's going on here 100%. Um, i will put that link in the show notes too uh, i'll i'll get with you afterwards and, and make sure that i got that link and put it in there um but i did i i want to bring the conversation to your backyard um florida tends to be kind of a or it has been trending towards you know a heavily republican type of state um how has that looked for y'all as far as like making progress as far as drug policy goes and uh the like
1: in here in florida or in miami or what which yeah. specifically here in miami yes, yes florida florida um,
0: in general miami especially you know whichever one you've seen the most
1: yeah so florida um <laughs> it's funny because we don't have any good laws for you know drugs, obviously, it's a nationwide issue. Um, But we do see like, you know, Colorado maybe is a little more open, California, Oregon, Um, Florida, we have medical marijuana, and it's, it's a horrible system. Uh, Licenses sell for a vertical integration, which means that companies here in Florida that are growing cannabis and growing, you know, distributing it, they have to grow, cultivate it. They have to transport it. They can't even use like UPS or anything. They must do all of the the work. They have to have dispensaries. They can't sell. So like most dispensaries, you can go in and buy products across, you know, the gamut of, you can buy something grown by this guy. And so not in Florida, you have to do every single aspect of the business. And then if you manage to get one of these licenses, currently there's only 22, they're selling for $60 million. And then- um, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sixty million dollars for a license. So it's basically government um, selling your rights away because, you know, if you or I, well, I'm in Florida. You're not. If, If I started growing a cannabis plant in my yard, obviously, I'd go to jail. Obviously, it's the you know, the end of the world. It's oh, my God, she's a horrible person. She was doing this illegally. But these companies that have these licenses can grow it. And um, at this point, there's very few. I think there's only one left that hasn't sold to another company. So right now, all of the companies in Florida are not Florida, Florida companies. They are Canadian companies are from outside the United States. They're mega corporations that have multiple cannabis uh, companies across the United States. This is what Mm -hmm. our government does. Our government just can't do anything anything really right but especially licensing so there's a huge barrier to entry all sorts of people that that were affected by the drug war continue to be affected by the drug war but I mean think about it who better to grow your cannabis than people that have been doing it even if underground for the last 40 years 50 years Instead, what they did was, you know, sell it to these companies. And it was a disaster. For years, there wasn't enough product for people. Currently, our our, our um, enrolled population is over 500,000 people in the state of Florida who have a medical marijuana card or a caregiver card. And it took years to get this off the ground because, you know, these dispensaries, first of all, the burden of just doing every aspect of. A cannabis grow. And I mean, for those who aren't involved, cannabis, yes, it grows very quickly, but then you have to process it if you're going to sell it. You know, most people don't smoke it anymore as the flower itself. They want it in an oil and a vape pen and something. They have to do all of that. They have to get it across the state. We have a huge state. I mean, from one end of Florida to the other, driving is at least 14 hours. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's not a small task. I get, you know, I give them that much. You definitely need a lot of money, a lot of capital, especially because you know you can't you can't borrow you can't get a loan you can't get a tax write up on these businesses so I mean it's it's a daunting task I, I I absolutely think that anybody with a license has a huge job to do but we've really messed up people here in Florida who we're still arresting people we had a libertarian um, who who's from Ohio who came into the state of Florida at, at last year just to drop off a friend she was just dropping her off and she was going to head right back out and she got pulled over um, she had I less than a few grams of cannabis on her and a vape pen. And she spent over a month in jail. What? In the state of Florida where it's supposed to be medically legal. She's not from here. Of course, she's not going to have a Florida medical card. You know, she just, she she drove into Florida um, to drop off her friend and was heading right back out. And not only that, they they had the dogs, um, the, the, One of one of the police canine dogs bit her. They didn't take her to a hospital. I mean, it was just such a horrible situation. So I know firsthand people who are continuously, you know, who continue to be arrested. There are in this country over 40,000 people in jail for some sort of drug charge, especially cannabis. I just, I don't get what we're doing here. You know, it's a plant that has never killed anybody. Um, We're just, we, we as a nation are like, you know what? You may potentially damage your life. So let us damage it for you. Make sure you can never get a job. Make sure you can never get anything in order to, um, I don't know what we're doing. To be honest, I have no idea. I don't get yeah. what we're doing.
0: And those, and here's the thing that that you know doesn't get mentioned a whole lot. Not only does a felony or, or a criminal background like that affect you, you know, as, as far as employment goes, but you're also looking at like anytime you put in a lease, try to get a lease in an apartment, <laughs> anytime you you a you, job. I, I mean, any of that. I mean, anytime your name and your background gets pulled, it is affected. So you are literally marked across the board.
1: Um, and- Imagine March when you're like a young kid, like you made a dumb decision You and not even, I mean, I honestly am a huge believer of cannabis. I think, um, you know, it helps a lot of people, yeah. no matter how we feel about it. I mean, there are over 70 conditions that it at least improves, helps in some way, you know, to, to put people in jail, to destroy their lives. I mean, it is the most disgusting thing. And we all know it's happening. And yet, Nothing changes.
0: Mm -mm. No. And anytime I see a state that, you know, relaxes its laws or goes medical, goes recreational, but they don't retroactively make that a thing across the board and start releasing people from jail. Like it seems so hypocritical. And I don't understand how state Supreme Courts have it come through up in arms, you know, like forcing the state. I mean, it just it goes to show like how corrupt the system is. You know Absolutely. that once, once you're in, you're in, um, for instance, like I have felonies, you know, related to, to drug convictions. Well, when Oklahoma, changed their laws that if I would commit, if I would have committed the same crimes today that I did back then, it would just be a misdemeanor. But since I did it back then, it's still a felony and I'm having to go through this incre- incredibly in asinine process in order to get it off my record. And I'm one of the lucky ones, you know, I not I'm not in prison. I got to walk out of there. You know, eventually it took a while, but here in Oklahoma, like we have medical marijuana, we still have people sitting in prison for decades. Because of pot help. There's still the OBN Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics is still busting grow operations out here because they don't have the proper paperwork. I mean, it just, it doesn't make any damn sense.
1: man. No, look at California this past week. We saw that they busted a place and they said that they collected over a billion dollars worth of like, uh, cannabis and money and weapons and whatnot. And just the week before that, California had, uh, there was, there was all over the LA Times where they were saying, are we failed in the, um, licensing? A lot of businesses aren't able to get licensed. So we're going to take a hundred million dollars to fund this licensing program that has already failed miserably, um, to get more people into compliance. And then they shut down grows. I mean, you don't get to a billion dollar grow, you know, not, it, doing things in in the backwoods. No, this is like a legitimate company that was growing legitimately and the government just came in and devastated. I mean, think about how many people are out of work now. Think about how much like the devastation that they've caused. So I agree with you. The laws are just asinine. There's there's no rhyme or reason to it. You can still get prosecuted even if you're doing everything the way the states are telling you to do. It's just, I can't make sense of it. I don't understand how we have this going on. And like I said, we all know that there's a problem but then nothing happens. And nobody holds these politicians accountable. Biden said he ran on it. He would be, you know, yeah. he's supposed to be <laughs> pro-cannabis. I mean, shoot, he, he fired everybody in the White House that had tried cannabis, except for Kamala Harris, who obviously, you know, she smoked and listened to Tupac apparently, even though that was way before um, Tupac's time. But she's still there. So, I mean, and nobody's really holding her accountable. Nobody's holding anybody accountable. Make it fair for everyone. I think it's just, you know, again, your situation, so many people, so many people in this country have the same issue that you're going through. And I, 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 my heart breaks and, and that's one side of it. There are people, um, I, the whole, my whole cannabis advocacy started with a group called Canna moms here in Florida, a group of moms who got together and started advocating for cannabis because their children had life-threatening conditions that were cured or helped tremendously by cannabis um I heard one of the moms Giselle Delgadillo who who spoke at a cannabis event and I sat there and I just cried I I I was like I didn't realize that that was happening at the time this is about 2016 and I just thought I'm a mom of four and I thought if there is a thing that my children need to get better Mm
0: -hmm. and there
1: I don't care who's between my kid getting that thing. And, 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 you know, like I, I will go and do what needs to happen. And she kept risking her life. Her son has, um, Gervais syndrome, which is an extreme form of epilepsy. And this child, when he was about six months old, he started convulsing and would have over 300 convulsions a day, epileptic seizures a day. And so, um, you know, it was put on a host of medications was just you know, not thriving. And then she found cannabis and a doctor that was helping her out in California, but you know, <laughs> single mom with a child with condition, she couldn't move out there. And so she'd have to either have somebody fly her out there and buy it and then come back with the medicine or have it sent to her illegally. She was risking her ability to continue to care for her child, to get him the medication he needed. And I just, I, again, as a mom, I can't imagine in that being in that situation. What wouldn't we all do for our kids? You know, right? if your kid was starving, wouldn't you steal for your kid? Wouldn't you, what wouldn't you do? And I looked at her and I saw the situation and her kid was doing so much better. Um, he's now um, I think eight or nine years old and he's, you know, still has, has some issues but he's doing so much better. And that is the power of cannabis. And it is my mission in life to make sure that people like Giselle can have safe, clean access to the products that she, her son, anybody needs. Because, again, this is a plant. It grows naturally. It's mm-hmm. it's not that, you know, cocaine is, is a plant. It's a coca leaf. But you have to process it. And it's all sorts of things, right? So right. the coca leaf you can use and it gives you energy. But then when you turn into cocaine, it's a whole other thing. I firmly believe that any adult should be able to do whatever they want with their body. Period. End of story. But it's... Yeah especially disgusting when we have an a a plant that has these healing properties and we treat people and we put them in jail like they're dogs Mm -hmm. and I, i it just it's 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 a passion for me i i can't stop i i i need everybody who needs this plant to be able to get safe access to it
0: i i agree wholeheartedly um i you know have talked to several vets know several that have you know turned into alcoholics, you know, and, and coming home and, and dealing with what they're, they're doing because they can't utilize, you know, something like cannabis. Um, in my industry, I'm a CDL truck driver. You know, I, I drive a concrete mixer truck. Uh, there's a lot of guys that I work with that are like hardcore alcoholics only because we can't, we can't partake. None of us can. Um, and it's like, man, so get going back into like the, the big bust in California and, and how these agencies are starting to handle this in, in areas and regions where, you know, walls have kind of lightened. While we are seeing a paradigm shift, I believe, as far as drug policy goes and things along those lines, you're going to see a death rattle. Among some of these agencies, you know, these are the big dogs. These people have been using things like civil asset forfeiture for the last God knows how long, you know, they've been thriving, you know, just absolutely thriving by imprisoning people, throwing them in a cage for a plant. So while these policies may change any technicality that they can jam somebody up on, they're going to go after it. And I think that's something that we really need to be on the forefront of. And it sounds like you're absolutely doing that. You know, you're spearheading this thing. Um, in, in terms of your commissioner run, like how will that, will you be able to uh, impact any kind of change locally there in Miami Dade?
1: Um, I think I can, I, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure this is a role that is mostly financial. So um it controls the budget of the entire Miami-Dade County. There's 13 commissioners. I hope to be one of 13. So obviously one of 13, um, maybe I'll be able to make some friends and, and and get an alliance going, but um I can't promise that, right? I mean, it it that is my goal. What I can promise is to be a voice and to give a voice to people. And and once you're in office, people tend to care what you have to say. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's really my mission here is to get on that council so that I can tell people this is wrong. This is wrong. And I do not want to be able to I want to cut the funding for the jails for, uh you know, going enforcing these drug laws as much as I possibly can. Um, do everything within my power to figure a way to, you know, while I can't change the laws in Florida, maybe the laws here in Miami-Dade County push through this you know police not enforcing the drug laws and and it, it, all of those those type of things so the 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 best answer i can give you is i hope i hope to be able to accomplish that i and and the, at least i won't shut up about it you know that's that's
0: that's good that's good get loud get yeah. absolutely loud but you're right you know people will start listening to you you know i mean i hope they're listening now they need to because you've got a lot of great points but you know it, it is part of it for whatever reason once you get that title then all of a sudden oh you're somebody now um right but I, 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 I <laughs> it's I, funny I, though
1: it's absolutely funny like i don't get uh-huh. it so if you you know right before an election you're nobody The day right after it's like oh my god what is you know this person <laughs>
0: have where'd like? you come from wow there <laughs> you are um, i i saw on your twitter that you did post something you know about about hunter biden um you know how he got away with yeah i mean everybody saw it. Come on, man. We saw the, the, as his dad would say, come on, man. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> pictures on the laptop of him doing, and not, not just weed. I mean, we're talking like hardcore
1: narcotics. Oh, heroin uh, meth. I mean, this guy yes, has done was, it all. And the great part is he's never spent a day in jail. No. And even more importantly is not only has he, you know, been able to do drugs in front of everybody. Cause who doesn't know that Hunter Biden is, is a raging, you know, addict. But mm-hmm. on top of that, He was able to get a a company to pay him $50,000 a month to sit on their board. And now his art is worth half a million dollars. Why are we putting people in jail? Obviously heroin and meth make you brilliant.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I, I almost comment. I didn't know, but I'll comment here. Why not? Um, is that a lot of artists, you know, tend to be a little bit out there, you know, they tend to, to partake, um, not to the degree of getting like, you know paid positions on a board somewhere to introduce them to your dad and this and that, but Hunter Biden and others like him, like, you know, you look at any type of big family, especially political, uh, you know, multimillionaire families. We don't have a war on drugs. We have a war on poverty because if you have enough money, you can get out of these situations. You can get out of these fines and 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 you know anything. You can
1: walk and then you can pay it. for rehab over in Malibu and promises. You know and you can yeah. you can go to these places. So, um, a little you know just side note there. I have um, a very close family member who was is a meth addict, and um, when he reached out and said, "I need help," you know, we were like, "Where do we get you help? Let's let's figure this out." And um, there was nowhere to send him unless you go through the jail system, unless you are arrested, unless your life is completely destroyed and a judge orders you to rehab, there's really nowhere to go. We were yeah. able to find like some, you know, place here in Florida and it cost us $17,000 for him to go for less than a month. And yep. he, you know, I, feel very fortunate that my family came together and we were able to pay for this. Um, You know, that obviously, you know how it goes when people are in recovery doesn't always go well. So we paid this money. He did not recover at that point. And so, and we lost it. There was $17,000 that we, you know, sent down the drain. And this was years ago. I'm talking well over 10 years ago. So I'm sure it's only gotten more expensive, but where do poor families go? If you have somebody in your life that needs help, where do you go? Where do you turn to it, You know, so it's it's a life of crime. Uh, and then if you if you need help, there's nowhere for you to go. we again, it just comes back to this point. We as a society treat people like they're disposable. We treat addicts like they're nothing. We mm-hmm. you know, we just it's absolutely disgusting. If you if you partake in alcohol and you become an alcoholic, you, there's places for you to go. So we already know that it works. If people have an opportunity to say, you know what? I have a problem. Help me. We know it works. Why can't we do this for other drugs? Why do why do we insist on spending? Because it's not like it's free what we're doing. We take millions of dollars to put people in a jail cell yeah. and take away their freedoms because they're addicts. They're addicts to the wrong thing. Just claim that you're an addict for alcohol and then it's all good. You know, <laughs> then you'll have stuff taken care of. It's just <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. It's insane. And here's the other part of it too. So like once that addict is locked up into the system and they get out they're they're paying fines, they're paying fees, they're paying a lot of money back into the state. There is no reason in my mind whatsoever. If you're knocking somebody over the head, why can't that money go to, to funding more rehabs in places like that? You know, like here in Oklahoma, we do have some state funding as far as detoxes go um and and you know longer long-term treatment however there's a waiting list so if i today i'm like i call up the local detox like hey i need to get off heroin like today i'm gonna die like try us back in a couple of weeks we might have right. a bed open i mean who knows i'm gonna make it that long you know yeah. um there if if we're if we are pulling money out of this we should be putting money back into it to correct it um and I know that that's not always the most popular libertarian position. It's probably not a libertarian position at all. But I don't care, you yeah, know. No like I don't. I, I don't care. Like this is we're spending
1: this is, money anyways. You're damn I straight. prefer to take that money that we're already spending and put it towards programs that work that can yeah. help get people out of the situation in which they find themselves. We can discuss all day long later on once we've solved this current problem that we have, how we can reduce the money that we're spending. But Mm -hmm. it's so frustrating when it's like, well, we shouldn't be spending any money. Okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be spending any money, but here we are, we are spending money. And so what are you going to do about it? Are you just going to keep funding the system that isn't working and is causing all of these problems and destroying families and destroying communities? Or are we going to figure a solution that works? And then we can work on reducing the cost of these things. I mean, but right now we're spending money and we have no solutions so we're it's like the worst of every world
0: preach it preach it martha you <laughs> you uh, you're a fireball and i i wish you nothing but luck out there uh in your endeavors uh before we we wrap it up and and do some you know kind of like plugs for you what do you have as far as on the horizon out there is there any policy that any of my audience who lives in florida that they can get in on as far as like petitions floating around anything like that that you know of
1: um i know there's a lot of candidates that are running that will need a petition signed i i wish i came more prepared for this um but there are so many things that we're all working on you know as libertarians for my run um you know It's a year and a half away almost. My my run is uh, November of 2022. So I started a bit early. I'm hoping to, you know, get out there and do those things. But I'm working on so many other projects. Um, Just today, like I said, we had an event with People for Liberty discussing issues on the border. That's absolutely something that we can all get behind and it can Mm -hmm. have an immediate impact um, those are the type of things that I think we should be looking at. We have some time before the main, you know, three years and change before our next presidential run. Let's focus on the things that we can actually do. And a lot of them are even free, you know, a little bit of, of work, a little bit of, of um, effort, but we can help people. And I think that's the big message that I would like to put out there is let's stop um, antagonizing people on social media. We look like, you know, heartless people. If you just see a whole bunch of libertarians on social media, it's, it's, um, you know, so-and-so is not libertarian enough. And, you know, this guy, I don't like him. And that guy over there said something I don't like. You know what, guys? It doesn't matter. No. Let's just focus. If we took a little bit of that energy and just put it on, you know, sponsor a family. Sponsor a family that has come across the border and needs help, needs some clothes for their kids, needs some food. Let's do the things. You know, Dadman is somebody that I absolutely admire. Um, David Andrew Gay. I don't know if you're familiar with him. If yeah. your audience is familiar with him, but he runs Liberty Memes, and that's something that he does. Go help Dadmin. Go, you know, there's so many projects that we're all working on, um, and it doesn't get the the it doesn't get the retweets, and it doesn't get the the follows, and it doesn't get the 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 crowd going. I get it being edgy and, you know, does. But these are the things that I really wish people would focus more on, because I think that, again, we have the policies, we have the heart, we are the good party. Eh, we just, you know, we're not really focused right now.
0: Right. I, and I think a lot of it boils down to maturity. Um, you got a lot of adolescence that's pushing it. and You know, hey, man, I'm, I'm glad to see youth coming into the fold, coming into the party and they're getting fired up. I just am hopeful that they mature a little bit, you know, and they realize that, Hey, you know, we all have a common enemy. Um, and I Absolutely. look, Martha, I'm going to be real honest with you. Like I was right there too. Like I was talking a lot of shit there for a little bit, but.
1: We all do know, sometimes. You I mean, know. man, it gets we to you, do. you know, listen, you're human. We <laughs> all are. That's the thing is, listen, I, I mess up all the time. You know, just the other day I, I posted something that I probably should have worded it differently and it got caught obviously i got called out on it it wasn't my intention i wasn't intending to 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 we all mess up we're all humans we're all you know just do the best you can but when you're going to send that tweet and you're going to tell somebody that you don't like you know i don't like you maybe you could just spare it and instead focus that energy on something else you know we're all humans we all have our moments but then you know just recover from it and see what you can do to to help out your your fellow man. I think that's basically what it boils down to is what can yeah. you do for somebody else? How can you improve somebody else's life? And um, we're, for the most part, most people that I've met in this party are good people. And they're people that care about other people. And we've been very fortunate. Um, we don't see it as often. You know, it's it's hard to see it when you live in America. What, And, and I'm not saying that there isn't poverty in America, but there's real devastating things outside of here that we can help. We can help these people. Um, you know, Haiti is another country. We, Their president was just assassinated. They're going through turmoil too. Whatever you can do, whatever community that you feel that, you know, attracts your attention, go do anything for them. Any, any small act of kindness. I think that'll go a long way. And if you can make sure that people know that you're a libertarian doing it. Um, we have this horrible reputation as being uncaring, unfeeling people. And I think that's the complete opposite. Who Mm -hmm. named us that? I think I have yet to meet uncaring, horrible people in the Libertarian party. I've only met wonderful people to be honest.
0: Yeah, same here. I, I've seen. I you know we've started up several types of fundraisers and things like that. You know, obviously a lot of my efforts are geared towards local detoxes, halfway houses, addicts and recovery. And I have had no shortage of people helping out. Help the just Liberty Twitter. I, I didn't even connect this to the LP at all. Just Liberty Twitter alone raised like, raised over six hundred dollars for Narcan doses for a local needle exchange. Like that was us. We did that. You know, and I had no shortage of people helping out. One pitching and, and you know not everybody. Gave a lot, but it was a lot of little five-ten dollar donations. Like
1: that's awesome. That's it. and you know, that's that's actually more impressive. Um, especially like well, obviously, for for, for help and, and things like that, you want bigger donations, you want as much money as you can get because you can help more people. But as a libertarian candidate, you know, people are like, Hey, all I can do is five dollars to your campaign. I'm like, you don't understand that means something, especially because. My opponents are going to end up getting these huge checks from a few corporations. Mm -hmm. I am grateful for every single dollar that people can spare that can take out of their, you know, because it means that people believe in what we're doing. It means that you're going to take this thing that means a lot to you, you know, that those five, ten, fifteen dollars, whatever you can to give to somebody else to spread this message. Don't discount it. I think that it's it's absolutely amazing what, what people in the Libertarian Party are doing. Again, Badman, Zach Foster over in California with his embassy. We're all you know just trying to make the world a better place. So every little bit helps. We appreciate it.
0: <laughs> absolutely. So uh, to the audience members who want to help, because Martha, it's great that you're running. You're an awesome voice for liberty. How can my audience find you, pitch in on the campaign, help you get some more flyers out, all of that?
1: Right. So I'm a little behind on things. I'm working on the website. So I don't have that yet. I do have a donation page, which is tinyurl.com slash Martha Bueno. That would be the biggest help. Like I said, every little bit helps, um, especially because I want to send that message that I am not being funded by corporations at all. I am um, being funded by people. People right now, mostly in the Libertarian Party. Um, until you know, Miami Dade picks up on who I am and what I'm doing, it's it's gonna be a little while. Um, you know, I'm just working every day on trying to bring more freedom. And it's like I said, the audience is just growing. So it's it's obviously working.
0: <laughs> right on. Well, thank you so much, Martha, for showing up and talking to us. And um, I'll be sure I'll put all of that information in the show notes and make sure that you know, we get you some expected donation from the clean libertarian household. We'd be more than happy to help out. Um, But yeah, anytime you want to come on the show, by the way, you, you are more than welcome to do so. You are awesome. Thank
1: you so much. I really appreciate that. And, you know, thank you for what you're doing. I think that we need people having their pet projects and, and like really working towards them. And it's great that there's somebody working on the other side of the drug policy, you know, um, I feel like you're the yin to my yang here. If I'm I'm working on, (laughs) you know, if I'm working on this side of the effort, we need, we need somebody working on on helping people get clean. And that's, that's an impressive feat. So thank you for what you're doing too.
0: Just giving back what I was given. And I think you can relate to that because you've seen it too. You know, we help each other out, right?
1: That's, that's what it's all about.
0: All right. Well, Martha, you have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much.
1: Thank
0: you. All right. And once again, thank you so much to Martha for coming on guys follow her on Twitter if you aren't already like this is somebody who is constantly spreading a positive message of Liberty Uh, she's doing a lot of great work she can always use some help so if you are able to give her a follow see if you can't pitch in and if you're in Florida absolutely reach out to her I can guarantee that she's gonna need some volunteer work going into the run-up to her campaign and everything else so uh, yeah thanks a lot Martha for coming on and with that I'm just going to wrap it up, guys. You know, going to go into the weekend. I think I'll drop this tonight. It's Saturday night. Um, Been dropping everything on Sunday, but I don't know. Kind of feel like releasing it tonight. I got a lot going on. Um, Here. Here's the song of the day. Yeah, that's what we're going to go into. This is Social Unrest. This is a band that largely has gone unnoticed, it seems like. Like, a lot of the people that are the old punk rock heads that I talk to, like, Not a whole lot of people talk about these guys anymore. And it's sad because they are great, man. I mean, it's old school. It's way back in the day, punk rock. But uh, this is one of those tracks that just, man, it's just an ass kicker. It's so good. It's called General Enemy, and it's by Social Unrest. So I hope you guys enjoy, and you have a wonderful week or weekend whenever you're listening to this. And we will see you guys next time.